When I was younger, I was in Boy Scouts. And there's one particular trip that we went on. We went horseback riding. And for some reason, they gave me the horse that had the mind of its own. You see, the horse I had did not want to follow the leader. It didn't want to do, its, do what the rest of the horses were doing. It wanted to do its own thing the entire ride. I mean, this horse was crazy. And in this one particular time, we're going through the deep woods. And all the horses are following this path around these trees. But my horse thought, no, I know a quicker way. And so my horse decided to make a left turn and go through the woods. I couldn't stop it. I couldn't make this horse, tor- this horse turn. It was going. And before I realized, this horse was cutting beneath two trees. One tree that was standing and one tree that was dead that landed on top of the tree. And this horse was determined to go through that tree tunnel. And I realized, I'm not going to fit. And I started to panic. What am I going to do? This horse won't stop. This horse won't turn. And in my panic, all I saw were these trees in front of me that was about to take my life. And in that moment, I did the only thing I thought was possible. I grabbed on the tree. And I held as tight as I could. The problem was the horse kept going. The horse did not stop. And I just watched underneath me the horse go and go until there was nothing anymore. And I was holding on to a dead tree that as soon as that horse was gone, I went crashing down to the ground. And all I saw were hooves. And I thought, I'm going to be stampeded on. I am dead right now. You know, so often in life, I think it's like that moment. We are so focused on the battle. We are so focused on the problem that we don't see the victory. You know, in that moment, if I would have just thought, all I had to do was go like this, bend forward. And I would have been fine. But I panicked. I saw the problem. I didn't know how to escape it. So I grabbed on to the problem because that was my focus. You see, the song we just sang, the battle belongs to God. Those are powerful words. Yet sometimes it's just so hard to see that. What we tend to see is what, and what dominates our focus is the battle, the problems, the struggle that we're facing. And we think, there's no way out. This is it. This is my life. This is what I have to deal with. This is my identity, whatever it may be. And so rather than seeing the opportunities or the victory, all we see is the problem. And we grab onto the problem because we don't know what else to do. And the problem just causes us to crash and burn. And it causes us to walk in brokenness more than in victory. You see, I believe with all my heart, we serve a God of victory. A God that makes the impossibilities possible. A God that the Bible says can move the mountains in your life. But yet so often we get so focused on the mountains, we don't see the possibility of them being moved. Why? Because we're so caught up in the physical understanding of things, we think the impossibilities are just there. There's nothing can do about it. But I believe we serve a God so much greater than that. He is a God of impossibilities. He makes what seems impossible possible. Stop focusing on the brokenness. Stop focusing on the struggle. And see the victory that is in him. He is alive. You know, I am certain that every one of you, if you're honest with yourselves, if you kind of take the blinders off, You've seen God work in little ways and in big ways. You have seen victories from God in your life. I believe you have. And if you're like, Bill, I just cannot see it. 
pause. Just be still and know that he is God, and I bet you will remember. You will see it. Every one of you, God has revealed himself through victories in your life. But what tends to be the problem is we become so short-sighted. In our physical nature, we are very short-sighted beings. You know, yesterday God may have done something extraordinary, came through in a huge way, revealed himself, moved a mountain. But that was yesterday. Now I got the problems of today. And we quickly forget how God came through. But you see, the problem with that is we're constantly short-sighted on the victories and we focus on the problems, the struggles all the time that just beats us down, beats us down, beats us down. But every victory that God does in your life is an opportunity to kind of build and build and build to constantly remind yourselves, look, he came through. He is faithful. He's always come through. And the way he came through then, he will come through again. You know, in my earlier years, I was pretty hot and cold with Jesus. I was kind of with Jesus. I was kind of out of it. You know, I wanted to follow Jesus. And I wanted to kind of make him happy. I wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to get to heaven. But I really wanted to live in my own way. I wanted to do my own thing. And to be honest, if I'm going to be real with you, I was emotionally trapped. There was brokenness within my own heart. And deep within me, I liked Jesus but I just couldn't see how he could fill the void that was within me. And it just consumed my thoughts. But with every step, with every step I took, I could not deny the reality of his faithfulness. How he always came through. Every step was not easy, but he showed me every step I took, he was right there by my side. And at some point in my journey, I had to get to a place where, God, I trust you. I trust you. Believe me. Believe you me. I know that's a difficult place to get to. When we're so focused on the mountains. When we're so focused on the brokenness. When we're so focused on the strongholds that have our mind and our hearts. It's so easy to see that and not see the victory that is in him. But we need to trust him because so often we become short-sighted. We don't see the overall picture. But God wants to work in your life. And he's not going to reveal the reality of all that he wants to do within your life until you take that step of trust. And so often we're missing out on God's best. Why? Because we're not taking that step of trust. We're not taking that step. But once we see that victory is possible, that the battle belongs to God, and we take that step, we see victory. And it moves us to a place of celebration, which is the heart of worship. You see, the heart of worship is really what pulls our heart, and it's developed over years of experiences and life circumstances, all based upon what has our mind, what has our focus. And when we focus more on our struggles, we walk in brokenness. But when we focus on victories, we walk in life. Not just life, but life more abundantly. We walk in victory, and it naturally leads us to a place of worship. But it all gets down to what has your heart. What has your love? I mean, be real with yourself right now. Do you love Jesus? Do you love him? 
what tends to have our heart, I'm sorry, what tends to have our focus, what tends to control our minds, what tends to drive our behaviors, ultimately is what has our heart. Does Jesus have your heart? Do you love him? You see, the heart of worship is developed as we grow in our understanding of who God is and who we are in God. You are a child of God created in the image of God. Stop believing the lies of this world that you're anything else. Stop believing the lies that you have to walk in brokenness or this world or the choices you make are your identity. We need to understand we are who the Father says we are. Stop believing the lies of the world. You are who the Father says you are. He created you. You see, understanding God is to see our victory through his mercy. That's where it's found. When we understand who God is, we see the victory because it comes through his mercy. And mercy is someone who has the ultimate authority and the ultimate ability to bring down wrath on you, to bring the hammer down on you because of your choices, because of the bad choices that you've made. But mercy is despite all that showing you grace and mercy, grace, forgiveness, and compassion. That's what the Bible talks about. In the Bible, you may read a lot about fearing the Lord. You know what that means? It means having the ultimate respect and knowing who God is. What he has the authority to do, what he has the ability to do, and give us our destination. But because of his mercy, he loves us so much that he sent his son into the world to die so that we may be free. Fearing the Lord is respecting that ultimate reality that I am nothing without him. If it wasn't for him, my destination is destruction for this world and eternity to come. But through him, I have life for this world and for eternity to come. God sent his son into the world to die so that we may have the opportunity to live. And through the cross, you and I have victory. He can move the mountains. You know, and how Jesus gave his life for us. How he surrendered himself to the cross to sacrifice for us. He asked that we surrender to him. Romans 12, 1, the Apostle Paul writes these words. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, li as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul wrote these words that are so powerful. I urge you in view of God's mercy. These are some of the most powerful words in this verse. Because what Paul is saying is we need to focus in on God's mercy. His mercy should be what motivates us. It should be what drives us towards understanding who he is. You see, we all are motivated by something and our behaviors are dictated, are driven by what motivates us. So let's be honest. Within your own self, within your own heart, what motivates you? What motivates you? You know, when I was younger, I was motivated by the fear of being alone. I was so scared of being alone in my future that I got myself in many unhealthy relationships. 
and I sacrificed healthy relationships for unhealthy relationships. Why? Because of my fear of being alone. And that's what motivated me. And it constantly put me in bad situations, in bad circumstances, making bad choices. And it's just the consequences just continue to build upon each other. And so often we don't even realize it, the internal struggles that we have and how they motivate us towards bad choices. Why? Because if we're honest, it's not about those choices, it's about the struggle that's in here. And at some level we need to get real with ourselves that there's an emotional scar within our hearts that need to be dealt with. We need healing. And so often we're driven by our emotional scars. And we don't find healing. And it motivates us towards poor choices. Sometimes we have sin struggles that are so strong, that have such a stronghold in our hearts and our minds that we don't even know how to let go anymore. What motivates us drives our behaviors. We need to have the right motivations. You know why? Because the Bible talks about the devil. The devil is talked about as like a lion that's hiding in the high grass waiting to pounce on you. Waiting to destroy you. He knows what motivates you and he's going to attack you at that core of what motivates you. To drive you towards bad behaviors. To destroy your future. To take away your opportunity to have life. That's what he desires. But Paul says, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, may his mercy be what motivates us. Why? Because when I fear the Lord, when I realize that he is God, he's so far above my understanding of things, so far above anything I could ever comprehend. And because of my poor choices, he could wipe me out. But because of his mercy, he sent his son to die for me because he loves me so much. He did everything he possibly could to give me a path towards life. His mercy is what needs to motivate us. When we fully understand him, it leads us to victory. And you see, my friends, knowing our victory through him leads to complete surrender. It really does. When we really know the victory that we have through him, it leads to complete surrender. Knowing God is to understand his love for us. You know, think about it. What would drive someone to make the conscious decision to leave their throne, everything they have, all the glory, to come to a lesser place, and not just come to a lesser place to live with the people, but then to, to fulfill the most gruesome, horrible death and, and sacrifice for man of all history. What would drive a person to do such a thing other than their tremendous love for us? Think about that. God loves you. God knows you. Please, my friends, stop believing the lies that no one gets you. Stop believing the lies that the, you're, you're the only one who has these struggles. Stop believing the lies that this sin defines who you are. It is not. You were created in the image of God who loves you, who died for you. Remind yourself, I am who the Father says I am. I'm not who the world says I am. 
He loves me. He knows me. And he dies for me. You know, think about that. Think about what, what drove him to that cross. And what drove him to the cross is to give us life. And he's asking what Paul wrote about in Romans 12:1 that we in turn do the same thing, that we completely surrender our lives to him. Because when we do, is to fully experience the victory that he has for us. Paul wrote to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. He said what motivates you should be his mercy and it should drive us to offering ourselves, completely surrendering ourselves to him. You see, my desires, my wants, what I feel may be right, I give it all to you, God. You are the source of my life. You be what guides who I am. You dictate every step I, I take. If your word says it, I will do it. You are the guide. This is to be completely saturated by the Father, by Jesus himself, more than the ways of this world. But can I just be, let's be real again. I think what's holding so many of us back from this, what's holding so many of us back from truly seeing the victory that is in Jesus, what's holding us back from seeing his ability to move the mountains in your life, to make what's impossible, possible. Every one of us has a sin struggle in our life. Every one of us. And we get so involved with that. And can we just be real for a moment? So many times, the reason we don't completely surrender to him is because we like our sin a little bit too much. Let's just be honest. A lot of times, in the moment, sin feels good. It feels like it gratifies the cravings that we have. It feels like it may fill the void that we feel we have in our heart. That's Satan's lie. Because then we think, well, the pursuit is to be happy. And if I just gratify these, these tensions that's in my heart, if I just kind of go with what feels good in the moment, I will be happy. But can I be honest with you? Sin just never lasts. It may gratify, it may feel good for a couple minutes, but then it's gone. And when it's gone, it doesn't feel good anymore. It just leaves you broken, embarrassed, destroyed, beaten down. You know, this is so much like as a child. I'll be honest with you. I grew up on McDonald's, okay? It was good. I loved their quarter pounder with cheese. And I could not wait as a kid to get to McDonald's for a Happy Meal. Or, I'm sorry, for a quarter pounder with cheese meal. I broke my mom's heart once. I'm going off tangent a little bit. I broke my mom's heart once because when I was in college, I spent a summer in Africa. And she, when I was coming home, she said, what do you, like, what meal do you want when you come back? And she's thinking she's going to make this huge gourmet meal. I said, can I have a quarter pound of a cheese, large fries, and a Coke? <laughs> you know what about that fast food? There's something about fast food that just constantly creates more and more of a craving. It does. It's like something within that that just constantly lures you back to it. And while one meal not, may not necessarily be bad, over the course of time, when you constantly eat that, eat that, eat that, guess what? It destroys the health of your body. It does. 
but then you just can't escape the craving of it. And that's the same thing with sin. We have within our own heart this natural craving to sin. And then kind of we indulge ourselves in it, we commit to it, and then every time we commit to it, you know what happens? The craving gets stronger. It gets stronger. And while we may have messed up once, it may not be that big of a deal, the problem is the craving gets stronger and stronger and stronger before it becomes a complete stronghold in your life. And then you think, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I'm all about. And it slowly, like McDonald's decays our bodies. The more we get focused and involved with the sin in our lives, it decays our soul. And we think, this is the answer. This fulfills me, but it doesn't. And we think, I just, at least I'm, if I'm happy, right? But happiness was never our goal. Our goal is holiness. Happiness, you'll never be satisfied. You'll always need to up yourself. You'll always need to get more and more of that craving. You'll never be satisfied. But through holiness, we find joy. And joy sustains. That's what God provides. Our goal is holiness, not happiness. And, and we've got to move towards the heart of God and less towards the heart of man. Paul puts it this way in Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. You see, so many times because we conform more to the world... And we know, I kind of want to please God. I kind of want what God gives to me. But we're so caught in this trap to go with the world's way. And this, this, this craving within our sinful heart has just got so strong, we think we can't break free from it. We think this is who I am. We think this defines me. We can't give it up. And, but we want to please God. And then we start living a life that we're more just trying to manage our behaviors. Because if I can just not do wrong, then maybe I can honor God. And then we become more spiritual about trying to manage our behaviors. But that's not what the gospel is about. The gospel was never about trying to manage your behaviors. The gospel story was all about you jumping in with Jesus. Trusting him fully. Because as Paul wrote, he is the God who can renew minds. He is the one who will transform. The more you just try to live a life of managing your behaviors, the more you're going to get caught up slipping and falling. You know why? Because it gets to the point where we get so worn down with trying to manage our behaviors that we finally just give in. I just can't do it anymore. It's too easy. This just seems so good. What's one little slip up? And the craving begins again. And it becomes more and more of a stronghold in our life. And begins to destroy us. But do you believe... That the God we serve, the God of victory, is the God that can renew minds. He can transform your heart. Stop trying just to manage your life and run with him. He is the victory. He is the God of impossibilities. He will transform your heart. It's written in 1 John 2, 15 to 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires, they pass away. Do you hear that? But whoever does the will of God 
listen to this, my friends, lives forever. See, Paul says, do not conform to the world. And you kind of put this together with this verse, conform in the world, all the world has to offer can be reduced to three things highlighted in 1 John. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The core of our sin struggles is based upon one of those three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of your eyes, or the pride of, of life. This can all be identified as our physical desires. And we get so short-sighted by the reality and the workings of God because we tend to so focus more on our spiritual desires and what we feel we need. And this fades away in our life and it destroys us. And we try so hard living in a physical world trying to comprehend a spiritual God. God is far above anything we could ever comprehend. And we're trying to view him through the physical lens that we have. Just trust him. And the battle, as we slowly conform more and more to the pattern of this world, is that we put more focus on the lore of our physical desires than on the spiritual reality of Jesus who loves us, who knows us, who died for us, who is our victory. We need to focus on his mercy. His mercy should be what motivates us towards him, completely surrendering, to allow him to transform and renew our minds into his likeness. You see, the heart of worship is developed when we start to see who we are through his eyes. That's the heart of worship. We struggle connecting with Jesus. Why? Because we're so focused on what we think we know about him. And we know more about God than we know God. And that's a struggle we all face. You know, a lot of you guys know about God, but do you really know God? And to know God is to love God. You know, for when I started dating my wife, I knew a lot of things about her. But until I started really investing in that relationship is when I got to know her. And you guys know the difference. And the same is with God. We know a lot about God, but do you really know God? Are you building that relationship with him? Are you drawing closer to him? You see, in these moments, remind yourself, Jesus loves you. He knows you. And you are who he says you are. Stop believing the lies of the world. See him for who he is. Focus on his mercy. Surrender completely to him. And experience the victory that he provides. Let's pray together. Father, in this moment we come before you. We're broken. Many times we are so distracted by the battles we face. We all have different battles and you know what they are. And some of us sitting in this room or online in this moment, we are so overwhelmed by the stronghold of, our, of the sin. And Lord, if we're honest, we've, we've given in to the cravings. And the cravings have just intensified every time we've acted out with that sin. But you are the God who renews minds and transforms lives and gives victory. And Lord, in this moment... May we see your mercy, and may your mercy drive us to complete surrender, to experience your, your, your mercy. Right now, in your own words, in your own way, why don't you just lay it at God's feet?
Whatever that stronghold is in your mind, give it to him right now. Father, we praise you because you are good. And in this moment, you hear our prayers. Lord, take away the battles in our minds, the battles in our lives, that we may see you more clearly and that we may walk in victory. It's in your name we pray. Amen.